December 8, 2020. Today marks a year since my Thea passed away. I can't believe we've survived this year almost. <laughs> Thanks be to God. I feel so tired. The grief is heavy today. I feel her and my father's spirit live on through me somehow, but I don't know what to call it. My Theo's and Thea's house is one of my favorite places in the world. There's something magical about a place made by hand. My Thea's kitchen was painted in traditional Mexican colors, colorful like Frida Kahlo's, bright like my Thea's spirit. She had lights hanging above her hand-painted kitchen cabinets, and it's just one of the most wonderful places on earth to me. I wish I had spent more time there with her. I never imagined a life without them. She had the best laugh, one of those that made you laugh too. And she had the Virgin de Guadalupe hanging all throughout the house. She had a prayer altar for her, bright and beautiful, and I always think of her when I see the Virgin de Guadalupe. She gave me the love and respect for the Virgin and somehow she's always been in our lives. You'll see her everywhere out here. The Virgin de Guadalupe and the Virgin Islands the foundations. The first book I read of my father's after he passed was Grandmothers of Light. It just struck me and I picked it up. And one of the stories talks about the origins of the Virgin de Guadalupe, who Aztecs called Tenotzin. She was an Aztec goddess of healing, roses, and ancient secrets. It's wild because I keep seeing lights before falling asleep but I don't know if they're lights or stars. I usually fall asleep before I find out. Each book I've picked up and read in my father's have, have given me so many answers. Grandmothers of Light drew me in with the title, obviously. The day after I asked, I don't usually ask out loud, I just use my thoughts. The lights about the water out here and how to bring it out back. The mysteries of the Andes was on the floor of my living room the next day. This morning, as I was drinking my coffee, I looked at the bookshelf and saw the Book of the Hopi. When I lived in Savannah, Georgia, I ended up hanging out with Tibetan monks. I worked at this fine dining restaurant called Elizabeth's on 37th, and the monks came down and created a mandala upstairs to raise awareness about freeing Tibet. I ended up spending a lot of time with them. I went go-karting for the first time with Tibetan monks, and it was so much fun. We even went to an Atlanta Hawks game with box seats. Me and Tibetan monks. I drank. They didn't. I watched them create the most beautiful and intricate sand mandalas. They chant and do their ceremonies, and then I follow them to the rivers and watch them throw the sand into the river. They place each grain of sand hand by hand. It would take days. Monks taking shifts from chanting to focus on the mandala the meditating, the chanting. They gave me some sand from a mandala and this white gift box that had a crystal and a beaded medicine wheel in the sacred colors, black, red, yellow, and white. The monks told me they had gone to the Hopi reservation and done a mandala ceremony. And the Hopi gifted them this crystal and medicine wheel and told them they believed the Hopi and Tibetan monks were relatives they came from the same ancient ancestors. Well, back then I really didn't understand why they gave me these sacred treasures. They taught me to chant 
Om Mani Padme Hum and meditate and give me some beads and incense. And when they had to leave, I felt like I was saying goodbye to family that I'd never see again. But they told me not to be sad. They were only in town for a few weeks, but time wasn't relevant. It didn't feel real. It felt like they were my brothers. I had taken photos of the monks on a 1970s Nikon film camera, and I put the sand, it was in a packet, from the mandala in my crema bag and flew out to California to work on a pot farm outside Santa Cruz. When I flew home and finally got the photos developed, they came out double exposed into the most magical dreamy photographs, a blend of Savannah, Georgia and Tibetan monks in the Pacific Ocean. I was amazed. I still have the sand and the beaded medicine wheel on my altar. The Book of the Hopi has lots of answers. The Hopi traveled all through this land and the Rio Grande, passing through ancient trade routes. Very interested in this book, and I'm about to learn about the Hopi. They know great things. I believe the Hopi and Anasazi held great knowledge and power. There's much I wish I could dive into, but I'm still reading. This struck me, though. It's from the Book of the Hopi. Many people today wonder why these people chose an area devoid of running water to irrigate their sparse crops. The Hopi people know that they were, there, they were led here so that they would have to depend upon the scarcity rainfall which they must evoke with their power and prayer and so preserve always the knowledge and faith in the supremacy of their creator who had brought them to this fourth world after they had failed in three previous worlds. This, they say, is their supreme title to the land, which no secular power can refute. Well, I believe that.